Good. I want to talk. I've been doing this kind of series on, on the grand sounding title, Spiritual Warfare, which sounds a bit doo 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 doo, Twilight Zoney. But um, it's really down, down to earth, really. It's about the fact you don't have to be a Christian long before you realize there's another side on the pitch. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what I mean? You kind of, and you get taken out of the knees and think, oh, oh yeah, there's an opposition around here. There's that, uh, not all is plain sailing in the Christian life. In fact, some people, quite a lot of people find that life's less plain sailing than it was before. Because before, uh, I barely got tempted before I gave in. And now I give in a bit slower. And so it's a bit harder than it used to. Do you know what I mean? Does that, am I, I can't be the only one who feels like that, can I? Oh, good. It's a few, a few honest nods around. That's, that's really, it's quite good in the church when people are honest. You know, it's, it's an optional extra, I know, but it's, <laughs> but it's quite good. Uh, and uh, so I want to look, so that's what I'm kind of looking at. And, and broadly, kind of in this series, I, I think the Bible talks, and traditional Christians have, have talked about the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they're kind of, quite useful categories. And my kind of working theory is we've got an enemy of our soul. I don't think he's got a pitchfork and wears red tights, really. That's kind of medieval picture language. But it's kind of true to life. We do get tempted. We do fall for it. We have got an enemy of our soul. So, so and my working theory is that, that, the, the, that Satan tells lies which, which really appeal to our flesh. Because we wouldn't do much sinning if it wasn't nice. It kind of appeals to the kind of earthy bit of us, the, the creaturely bit of us, which the Bible calls the, the flesh, and which the world generally accepts as, well, that's good, that's true. So that's the kind of heading. So we kind of got those, those weaknesses, those vulnerabilities, because we, we're part of the world, so we're vulnerable to the way the world thinks. Uh, and, and we've got a creaturely bit of us that thinks, well, that's naughty, but it's nice. And, and so we're, we're vulnerable as well, individually, to those lies that the enemy of our souls tell. So that's the kind of, that's the kind of broad spectrum of the way I'm thinking about it. But I want to talk, I'll lead on to a talk about temptation this morning. And uh, in recent years, we've probably became, become familiar with the phrase, that's fake news. I can't do an American accent, but you know, the fake, fake news is a big thing, which means uh, sometimes it means that isn't true. Sometimes it means it is true, but I don't want you to believe it. it depends on your kind of point of view and your, your politics. And that, that became kind of big in America, didn't it? That if you tell a kind of really big lie, uh, often enough, people believe, believe it. And uh, that's actually, uh, Goebbels used to say, to, so that if you're going to lie to the people, tell a really big one. And uh, uh, that's a kind of fake, fake news. Or uh, here's another one, alternative facts. You know, I don't, I don't like your set of facts. I'll, 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 let's look around for some alternative facts that, that appeal to me a bit more. And, and that's all kind of ways of talking about lies. Barack Obama, he, he said this uh, not long ago. One of the biggest challenges we have, he was talking about the states, but I think it's true in life, is the degree to which we don't share a common baseline of facts. In other words, these people are saying that, these people are saying that. What, what's true? What's actually a fact? There's nothing new or American about that because the Russians used to talk about, I'll say this all wrong, uh, disinformatia, which means disinformation. And that, that's, people spend, governments spend millions of pounds on disinformation. It's a Cold War term, mean, meaning kind of half-truths, misleading things that, that destabilise the enemy's society. Half-truths. And the enemy of our souls uses very similar uh, tactics, really. And 
I, I kind of tend to think that before we fall into a temptation, we tend to believe a lie. So we're kind of deceived that, well, if I did that, well, that would be really good. Or if I did stop doing this, then I'd be happier, or then I'd be more fulfilled, or that, then it would be great. And so we fall for a lie before we fall into uh, temptation. So that's the kind of where I'm going. And we'll read a bit from Genesis 3 in a few moments. But I was surprised. I was kind of doing a bit of reading around and research for this. I was surprised how often the New Testament uses the word deceived. In other words, when you're deceived, you, you believe something that isn't true, don't you? You're conned, if, if you like. And uh, the New Testament quite often says, uh, uh, don't be deceived. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. Um, Let no one deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Colossians 2 verse 4. Uh, Evil is going from bad to worse, said Paul to Timothy. People are deceiving and being deceived. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 13. Or uh, 2 Corinthians 11. Just as Eve was deceived, your minds may somehow be led astray from your pure devotion. Kind of sidetracked. Deceived. So so that's a big thing. But... uh, Here's the good news. The other side of that coin is, is Satan or the devil can't make us do anything. Can't make us, can't compel us to do anything. You know that, that thing, I don't know if you've ever said this, I couldn't help it, I've ever tried. It's not actually true. We, we could help it. We're, we're not made to do anything, but we're deceived and then we willingly do what's wrong. He has to deceive us first. This, this will lead to satisfaction. This will lead to happiness. Oh, if you did that, you'll be free. If you had that, you'd be much happier. I, I, I tend to think if I had a slightly more powerful car than my underpowered Ford Focus estate that can't overtake a tractor at the bottom of a hill, that I would somehow be happier. Does anyone else, does anyone else ever think that kind of, Oh, thanks, Simons. You and me. Oh, Jeff as well. I can't, now, the truth is, I would be probably happier until it got the first dint, and then I'd be a bit disappointed, but also a bit relieved, because the first dint's the hardest, isn't it? After that, it's kind of thing, ah, it's all right, it's scratched now. But, but the truth is, that's a lie. I wouldn't be happier, because I'd still be me, and I'd still be living in the same world. But that's, you know, if I had a better high-five, we'd fall for it, and it's, it's a deception. And then the deception leads into sometimes spending more than we've got, and then that leads into debt and then that leads into distress and so so we we fool them for a lie first and the lies work really well because they they appear they appeal to what the bible calls our flesh our kind of basic dry, physical drives our, our appetites uh, and so and so satan comes to swear you deserve to be happy which is what kind of God wants as well. God wants for us to, to enjoy our lives in the world he's made. But, but what Satan does is, is, is he tries to say, and this is the route to it. And he takes something that's good, but not absolute. It might be sex, it might be money, it might be cream cakes, it might be alcohol, drugs, who knows, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Uh, and he makes a thing which is a lesser thing into the ultimate thing. Do you, see what, do you see what I mean? So, so some of the things we're tempted aren't necessarily wrong in themselves, but they're not the ultimate, and they're always disappointed, and they, he leads us uh, astray. Oh, if you did this, it won't harm anybody. That's often a lie, isn't it? Oh, th- this person's not the right fit for you. If you were with so-and-so, you'd be much happier. Or, oh, if you did that, you'd take control of your life. You'd be free. And that's, it's kind of got echoes of, of the story in Genesis 3 we're going to read. Oh, you'll be like God. 
which is an interesting lie because actually they'd already been made in the image of God. So, so he, was, he was selling them something they already had. That's really crafty salesmanship, isn't it? When Satan comes to you and says, if you did this, uh, you'd be really like a child of God, but you're already one. You've got to think, you little devil. <laughs> that's, that's Satan. Because we often sin because we believe a lie about what will make us happy. Ignatius of Loyola, I'm not sure who he was, but it's a fine name. Ignatius? Maybe not. Okay. Uh, so he said this, sin is an unwillingness to, sin is firstly an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is my deepest happiness. I thought that was really insightful. That actually what God wants for us, we start thinking that we're restricted, that we can't be fulfilled, that we would be happy if we didn't go God's way. So actually he says, sin is firstly an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is actually my deepest happiness. Anyway, let's have a turn to Genesis 3 if you've got a Bible and um, maybe if we're able we can put it up on the screen and we're going to read in a minute 1 to 10. But um, this is a classic, classic passage uh, and um, it's, it's scripture, it's in the word of God, but it's also literature and it tells a, a story and uh, Christians, like Christians do, are forever arguing about it. Uh, but there we are. Uh, Adam literally means human. So uh, some people argue strongly these were two individual people. Some say this is, this is a story about humanity. Uh, Adam means human. Eve means life. So this is a story about, if you like, human life. It's a description of how we are. It's a- actually, if you think about it, it's all our stories in, in a way, isn't it? And uh, whatever, whatever kind of side you come down on all the debates about the first few chapters of the Bible, this is the most true story about the human condition. It's, it's absolutely true to what I read in my newspaper. It's absolutely true to what I experience in my life. And the summary of the first few chapters of Genesis is this. We are wonderfully made people in a fantastic world that God has given us. Made in the image of God, in a beautiful world, but marred by our rejection of God. Totally marred and we we mess things up. We're susceptible to believe wrong things. Anyone else like that? I'm, I'm a bit like that. We're susceptible to believe wrong things that get us into deeper trouble. I, I, I read this this week by an R. Middleton in a, in a really interesting website called Biolog, Biologos, which is uh, written by a group of people that say there isn't a clash between science and the Bible, that, they, they, that God has two books, what he's revealed in his world, because creation speaks of the glory of God, and what is revealed in his, uh, in his word. Anyway, this is the sentence, which I thought was great. He said, Genesis 3 is a profound study in the phenomenology... Phen- oh, I knew I couldn't say that. That was the challenge. The phenomenology of temptation and sin. I put it in just to see if I could say phenomenology, and I, clearly I can't. Genesis 3 is a profound study in the phenomenology of temptation and sin. So let's just, let's just read it, and I hope it will be helpful. Now, the snake was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you mustn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You mustn't touch it or you will die. 
You will not certainly die, the snake said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings from themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. So there we, there, there we have mankind made to walk and talk with God. Really, that, that's, life is not that complicated. We're made to enjoy God's world, to work and walk and talk with him. That's, that's quite a good job description for my life, isn't it? <laughs> enjoy God's world, walk and talk with him, do some good work, and, and, and they end up being, being tempted and hiding from the very God who wanted fellowship with them, wanted to walk and talk with them as he does with us. And uh, just, I just had kind of two or three key things, really, to say about this, and then some application. And the first is, let's beware isolation. Let's beware isolation. Eve seems to have somehow got, got alone, got away from God, got away from her primary relationship with Adam, even. She's kind of vulnerable on her own. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm vulnerable on my own. And I, I'm an introvert. I know I don't seem like it because I'm an exhibitionist one, but, but I, am a, <laughs> I, I am actually an introvert. I, I kind of like, I like quite a lot of time on my own and the things I do to, to recreate tend to be things I do on my own, going for a walk on my own, reading a book on my own, doing the garden on my own. That's kind of just the way God made me. I've got to go with it, really. But, but it's actually not good for me to be on my own because I need people. And we're all the same, whether we're introvert or extrovert, we need one another. In fact, if lockdown proved anything, it's that we need each other, isn't it? The, the isolation that people have endured has been bad for society generally, bad for us as Christians as well, because we need each other. When we're, when we're alone, it's, it's easier for people to trip us up. Now, I know those who've heard me often will think, any moment now is going to talk about wildebeest. So just so I don't disappoint you, which is the wildy beast the lion gets? The one on his own, exactly. I keep saying this, but I keep seeing it happen. So I'm going to keep saying it. So, so if you find yourself more and more on your own, beware. It's not, it's not, a, good, it's not a good thing. Get with others. Get with other Christians. I, I know Christians are weird, but then everybody's weird, so it's okay. We're made in funny ways. That's what makes life interesting. But we need one another. We need fellowship. We need interaction. We need others, even if it's only so we know that others have got the same weaknesses and temptation as us. But we also need others to comfort us sometimes and say, it's okay, it's going to be all right. Sometimes we need others to pray for us because we're in a weak and vulnerable moment. So let's not get isolated from other Christians. Even maybe some of us isolated from our partner. Uh, I read a quote from Corrie Ten Boom this week that said, when Satan can't make you, uh, make you bad, he makes you busy. Uh, I've been thinking about that. I think actually you can, you can be isolated even in busyness. 
Does that make sense? You can be so busy that there's no time to be with others and so you feel isolated and cut off from real community. Let's beware isolation. I know that will be relevant to some of us because it's, it's, it's not good for us. Let's beware. Let's just think, oh, yeah, I'm getting a bit isolated. Who, who can I be with? Where can I go and seek company? Where can I find friendship and fellowship with others? And then, then the next thing is this, that, that Satan gets us to, to, to make, ask questions about God's word and God's nature, particularly his goodness. It's interesting this morning we kept having reminders about the goodness of God. And, and Satan comes to, to Eve, to human, human life, and he says things like this. He says, um, God, God didn't really say that, did he? Did, did he really say that? Uh, ever? Does that ring bells with anyone? Says, God, did God really say that? Or, uh, and then the implication of that is, that can't be true, can it? That is, it's very subtle, that, that questioning. And, and then he offers, offers his false promises. You'll be like God. No, no, we don't. That doesn't tend to come to us in that form now, does it? Like, you'll get a higher high than you've ever had. Or that'll be really satisfying. That will be much better than the life you've got now. It'll be, you'll be really cool if you wore that. <laughs> anyway, never worked for me. Uh, false promises. You'll be free. And, and, and I think for each of us, there'll be different lies that appeals to our, our flesh. Do you know what I mean? Because we've all got different weaknesses. And he's a stinker. He'll pick out something. He'll pick out your vulnerability. Because we're all tempted by, by different things. For one, it'll be, hey, why don't you watch that on the internet? Why don't you turn to that on Netflix? For another, it'll be, hey, why don't you nick that? No one's watching. For another, it'll be, hey, take this. You'll feel so good. It'll be different things to different ones of us. But it's all, it's all being aware of the lie. Part of the reason I'm teaching this is just so we'll perhaps, perhaps be just that little bit more aware because often we're snared in it and don't realise till afterwards, hey, I, I thought it would be like this, but, but it hasn't been actually. The, the fruit is so appealing, but the, after, the aftertaste is really bitter. And we kind of, he tries to get us to step away from God's plan, believing the lie that God doesn't really want our happiness. Our, our happiness and richest satisfaction lies outside of God's plan for our lives. So there's isolation, there's questioning of God's word and his goodness, and then there's kind of direct lies. He just, he just says, hey, you won't die. God, God knows you'll be like him. You'll be superpowered virtually. And, and the, re- the reality was they ended up feeling shame and, and hiding away from the God who loved them. If, I don't know if you've ever been in that state where you think, oh, I couldn't go to church because I've been like this. I couldn't go to church because of, of that. that that's, that's kind of playing into Satan's hands, really. Actually, when we're at our absolute worst is the time when we, when we need to go, even if we kind of barely manage or just need to sit on the back row. I, I can remember being at a really low point and I snuck into it and I was leading the church and I sat in, kind of, you've got to go really because you're preaching or something like that. Uh, yeah, snuck in at the back row and Pete, Pete Ettridge just came and put his hand on my shoulder and, and left it there for about 10 minutes while I just kind of cried. And that was just, you think, that, that did me good. I, I don't know what was going on apart from I was crying and his hand of affection was on my shoulder. But, but I'd, I'd not been isolated 
do you see what I mean? I, I, I've been where God was <laughs> and where his people were. So let's not believe the lies. And, I, and then, then he, Satan appealed to, appeals to our, to our appetites. For them, it was, hey, it looks great. I'll get super knowledge. Uh, it's good for food or, or whatever. So sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is for my deepest happiness. I want to kind of get back to that. God is good. What he wants for us is good for us. The world is a bit crappy. I don't know whether you're allowed to use that world. The, the world is sinful. It's mucky. We go through good times, bad times, bruisings. But what God wants for us is for our good. And that's the truth. So, so what? So what? It's good to have a so what. Well, let's be aware, really. That that's why I'm preaching this sermon. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says, uh, Paul's desire was that Satan might not outwit us. He says, we're not unaware of his schemes. I think sometimes we are unaware of his schemes and he does outwit us. So that's, hence this talk. Let's not be unaware. Let's not be unaware of his schemes. Let's not be outwitted. Let's be on the lookout for those little lies. Secondly, let's, let's feed our minds. I don't know what you feed your mind on. Uh, John Mark Comer, who's my favourite author of the moment, he said this, it's our responsibility to curate our thought life. Good sentence, isn't it? It's our responsibility to curate our thought life. Sometimes we think our thoughts are just our thoughts and, and sometimes Satan will just lob one in, which we have to kind of say, no, I, I reject that thought. But it's our responsibility to curate uh, somebody else said, attention is the beginning of devotion. In other words, let's be careful what we give our attention to. Com computer geeks will know the saying, rubbish in, rubbish out. In other words, if you program it all wrong, you're going to get a load of garbage out the other end. It's true, isn't it? But that's true of our minds too. So we, we're getting inputs all the time. So I'm not, I'm not being legalistic or, or it's just not, I haven't got that kind of bone in my body really. Uh, I'm not being legalistic, I'm just saying, let's curate, let's be careful what we put into our minds. The Apostle Paul put it like this, Philippians 4 verse 8. He said, when he's talking about our thought life, he said, whatever's true or noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. It's not saying be religious, it's just saying when there's good things and beautiful things and wonderful things, let's think about that. Let's curate our thought life. I don't know, I don't know about you, I don't know what you put in your, in your mind. It's kind of your responsibility, really. But, but let's just think, hey, what, what am I putting in? Is it, is it good? Is it doing me good? Is it building me up? Is it encouraging? Is it enjoyable but, but good? Because God's made a wonderful world full of wonderful things to enjoy. And then the third thing is, let's, let's walk and talk with God. Eve got isolated. The opposite of that is just walking and talking with him, keeping an ear out. However you do that. Someone said to me recently, I bet, I bet you spend ages reading commentaries, don't you? <laughs> I don't know what, the truth is, I... I don't. I've, I've got a stack of them and I use them. For, but that's, that's research to understand the Bible more. But that's not how I walk and talk with God at all. I, I don't read a, I read a commentary to understand some obscure Hebrew word so that I can explain it. That's not how I walk. I, I go for a walk and pray. And sometimes I struggle to pray. And, and I, I read a bit of the Bible and I think, 
no idea what that, can I get a better bit? Let's, I know it's all God's word, but, but I, I, you know, but the truth is, I just keep walking and talking with God. I've said before, I, I pray best when I'm in the swimming pool. I go, I go to you, Frank, our Father art in heaven. I, I, I chat about all sorts of things in, in that kind of way. So let's walk and talk with God. When Jesus was tempted, because even Jesus was tempted, he, he used the Bible, didn't he? Somehow he'd got to know the Bible. I suppose he went, he went to the synagogue every week. I don't know whether he had a cop. I don't know whether they had copies in their homes or not. I don't, I don't know how it was then. But he, he got to know the Bible. Is that, is that really old-fashioned or is it Jesus' way? I think it's Jesus' way. So again, I'm not legalistic about it, but he was able to say, hey, yeah, but when you're tempted to do this, yeah, but God says that. That's really, really useful. You know, you know when, when Satan says to you, if you had X, a bigger house, a posher car, whatever it is, you would be happy. That if you know the Bible, you say, hey, but the Bible says I can be content with what I have. That, that's not to say if you can afford a, a, a bigger car, you shouldn't have one and enjoy it. Go and buy a bigger car. If you've got lots of money, buy me one. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Wow, but, yeah, but what about this? Ooh, but the gas bill's going up. I'm really frightened that we won't have enough money. What about this? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm going to lack no good thing. God's able to provide all I want according to his riches in glory. See, that's, that's just, just walking and talking, getting to know a few Bible verses. So, so some of us will be people that read huge bits of the Bible. Some of us just haven't got the time or the concentration span. Just, well, read what you can then. Some of us need to put, maybe just put some of the most helpful Bible verses you know inside the loo door on a bit of paper and blue tack just so you get it into your spirit. So that, yeah. I did that when I was revising for my O-level English. Why can't I do it with something more important? Not minimising the importance of your GCSEs, but do you know what I mean? Why not put something that's, that's going to do you good? Put it up, take it like a prescription every day. Some are slow and studious, some are big chunk people, some of us aren't readers at all. You can, you can get podcasts with someone reading the Bible to you nowadays, can't you? you can, there's all sorts of ways of doing this, but let's walk and talk with God. Know the truth and it sets us free. Know that you're his child already, that you belong to him. Know what he promises you. So I'm not talking about religious drudgery and legalism, but we're, the reality is we're all getting inputs all the time. You know, some of us get more from Facebook than we do from, from God. <laughs> but let's, let's, we're choosing. You know, Netflix is quite a big in, input, quite like that. You know, match of the day, obviously, Garden's World, obviously. You know, that, take that as a red. But whatever, whatever floats your boat, that's not wrong. It's good to enjoy the world God gave us. But let's, let's make sure we're receiving from him and thinking about what's good and true. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, you, uh, Lord Jesus, you taught us to pray that great prayer. So I just want to pray for all of us. Um, lead us not into temptation. And when we go through temptation, Lord, thank you that you've promised that we can stand up, not give way. And you've promised that there will be a way of escape. 
So we pray, lead us not into temptation, but through it and out the other side, still walking and talking with you and deliver us from evil. Lord, we all have our vulnerabilities and um, you can think about whatever your vulnerabilities are now, but we ask you, Lord, to help us not give way to our vulnerabilities, but to accept them, to use them to rely on you even more. Help us this week, Lord, to walk and talk with you and deliver us from evil that we might uh, represent you better in this needy world of ours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.